everybody. I'm Tom Farrell. And I'm Sean Swarner. And we are here with another Hope Podcast. Helping others persevere every day. Today, Sean and I are going to tackle the topic about believing in yourself. And no idea where we're going to go with it, Sean. You put it out there earlier in the week. I immediately texted you back and said, I'm in. I love that topic. But it certainly is one worth delving into and, and see where we go. So why did, why did you come up with this one for this week? Anything in particular that struck you? Well, I, I think, you know, in, in the light of the world situations right now, um, people are potentially getting down on themselves. And this is the first time that I've been home for, I want to say, eight or nine weeks now. And this is the longest I've been home for probably 15 years. And because of my travel schedule, I put in 250,000 miles on American last year, traveling around for speaking engagements and stuff. And, you know, you get to a point where you just start to wonder, you know, like, what's the future hold? What am I going to be doing? You know, what's my purpose anymore? And, and you start questioning yourself. And I think as soon as you start questioning yourself, you start getting off your path and, and you, you start not believing in yourself, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense, but you, uh, uh, you, of all people, should be the one who believes in himself because you, from my perspective, can get through any challenge based upon what you've gotten through in life. But it's it's actually refreshing to hear that even you have those self doubts sometimes, and maybe you can share with us what you do to try to jumpstart you to get out of that mode. For sure, you know, I, I, I have been. I've been called numerous things in my life, some some not so good and others pretty good. <laughs> Depends on how many uh, of my exes I suppose you talk to. But for the most part I've I've been called Superman, I've been I've been called a cyborg, you know, not human. But people regardless of of who they are, I don't care who you are in the world, you still have some self-doubt and sometimes it creeps in. But I, I think the 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 biggest component of believing in yourself is is whether you think you can or you can't you're absolutely right i've heard you say that before but it's it's so true you know i i i remember when i was going through my first treatment um i think it was probably about six months in maybe no three maybe three months in i remember going to sleep one night honestly thinking to myself yeah you know this isn't so bad after all you know feeling fine and all of a sudden, I just woke up with this burning, acidic sensation in my stomach and just this, this massive need to just get whatever out of my stomach. You know, just overwhelming nausea took over my body. And this wave, believe I don't want to get too graphic, but this wave of vomit came out. You know, and I, I literally was throwing up on myself. I didn't have time to get to the bathroom. You know, I, I was literally, like, from my waist down, I, I leaned up and, I mean, everybody knows those uh, those uber-comfortable uh, hospital beds that, you know, go up and down and sometimes yeah. the button, hey, come save me, doesn't work. Um, you know, I, I remember leaning up in that thing and literally covering my lower body. And, and you know, then all of a sudden, well, because I, I was trying to make my way to the bathroom and I didn't even make it. So fast forward about 12 years, and I remember walking up to 
the summit of Mount Everest. I was on the, the, the push to the summit and I could literally smell the ozone. I could hear that, you know, how styrofoam sounds. It kind of sounded like the styrofoam crunching of the snow beneath my feet. Um, I could feel the sun's intense radiation on my face. I could hear the wind whipping by my ears, but I, I didn't just magically appear up there. You know, and I think you, you need to start with baby steps. And I, I, what, what, you, what you don't see in movies and what you don't see on social media, oftentimes, you don't see the struggle. You know, all of a sudden you see someone famous. All of a sudden you see someone in the limelight. All of a sudden you, 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 you see somebody who is a star. You don't see those setbacks and, and you don't see the failures that they're going through. So my first goal. Did you, ever hear the, I, did you ever hear the expression, it took me 30 years to become an overnight sensation? Exactly. And, and that's what people don't notice. They don't see that. You know, even uh, I was watching, um, I think it was Chris Rock on uh, doing an interview. And he said something like, you know, it took me 30 years to become famous, you know, because he'd been working at it for that hard. And then all of a sudden it just, it just happened. You know, it, it doesn't happen overnight. It, it takes, you, it, you need to take those baby steps. My first goal was literally to, to crawl eight feet from the hospital bed to the bathroom, you know, so I wouldn't soil the sheets. And then I, I made it to the top of the world. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure just, just like you, you know, you weren't just super successful from the get-go, were you? You had struggles and you had to put in some, some of your time. You took baby steps, didn't you? Oh, without a doubt. There's uh, an expression we use around here that we say no means next. There are so many no's that exist in, in our business with regard to pitching shows and ideas and projects. You, you get rejected nine out of 10 times with the idea. So if you didn't believe in yourself, you'd never be able to keep going in this business because um, rejection is such a major part of it. So it's so gratifying when that one project does hit and that nine out of 10, that 10th project hits, it makes it all worthwhile. And that's what keeps me going. And I think that's what can keep other people going too, knowing that if, if they really believe in something, then they, they have to believe in themselves in order, in order for it to make it happen. So do you think then, because I, I had so many things pop in my mind, one of the biggest words that, that I always keep telling myself, and I'll toss it out there to you too, do you think it helps to have a sense of purpose? Without question, it does. Keeps you going every day when you wake up. Huh. I, I think so many people lose that. Oh, for sure. You know, I, I definitely have a purpose too, but I think so many people lose that sense of purpose. And because they lose that sense of purpose, self-doubt goes starts going through your head. And, and that's why a lot of times you hear those stories of the person who worked for 45 years and they retire and within a year they die. Hmm. And that goes through my mind a lot of times. I wonder if it was that sense of purpose that they lost because they went so hard and they had something to do every single day. They dial it back and it, it's just not in their DNA to sit back and do nothing. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. I'm, I'm, my, I'm sure my dad will end up listening to this, but you know, he's, uh, I want to say he's 74 now and he's always doing something around the house. And I think it, when, when people get to an older age and you know, my grandma's 97, I think as soon as you lose that sense of purpose, what's, what's the point? Yeah, you got to have something to drive you every single day when you wake up. 
You know, I've, I've, I've also recently um, been doing a lot of reading and studying because I'm putting together a couple programs for corporations as well as uh, cancer survivors. Um, the one for the corporations is called the Summit Challenge. It's a series of seven challenges for people to focus on making micro changes throughout their day. And I've been doing a lot of um, looking at and reading about how negativity gets in there but there's something called neuroplasticity. You know, it's, it's also um, known as brain plasticity or brain malleability. And it basically, um, well, you, you know, the, the, the brain is a series of, of interconnected neurons and synapses. And neuroplasticity is essentially the brain's ability to build new connections. And a lot of people have done some studies, not me, not me, super smart people have done studies. <laughs> Dr. Sean? Right. A lot of people, super smart people have shown that when there have been people with brain injuries, they've, they've learned to speak again. They've learned to walk again. And, and neuroplasticity is essentially that. And it's, it's because the brain actually has developed new synaptic connections. And in the, in the research, the very little research that I've done for these programs, they've discovered that in the right prefrontal cortex of the brain, that's associated with negativity. So people who are more negative, who have the closed-minded thinking, actually have more synaptic connections and neuropathways in the right front prefrontal cortex. And the people who have more of an open mind, more of, uh, as opposed to seeing obstacles, they see opportunities, they have more synaptic connections in the right prefrontal cortex. And that's, being, that's associated with being more positive. So people who are more negative have more connections in the, in the left side and people who have, on the right side, the people who, have more, uh, who are more positive have connections, more connections in their left side of the brain. But the, the, the crazy thing is, like going back to um, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. So you can grow more connections in your, your left prefrontal cortex. And that's what neuroplasticity is. And they've actually also discovered that from the ages of one to seven years old, our brains are being programmed. You know, they're being programmed by our, mostly by our parents, you know, by our, by our exterior, by our, our uh, environment. And look, look at how many times when, you're, when your kids were growing up, how many, time, how many times did you say no, you know, or you can't do that or don't do that, you'll get hurt, whatever. That is, is building all those negative connections in the right prefrontal cortex. But the cool thing is with neuroplasticity, and I know this sounds like a science experiment, um, you can actually change that. So if, if you've been alive for me, you know, 40 years, you can change that in a, a process of, of three weeks. But you have to focus on being more positive. You know, have, have you always been a positive person? Yeah, very, very much so. So you're, you're, yeah, so you, you grew up looking at opportunities. You weren't really held back. No, not at all. And I can trace that back to my parents and my siblings. Which is crazy because so many people don't have those experiences and they, they develop that negativity through their entire lives just over the, pad, the, the programs, which is essentially just repetition. Hey, so let me, let me talk to you a little bit about, you do a lot of, corporate speaking engagements where you get up there in front of hundreds, thousands of people to share your story and then also to motivate them and get them to a better place in life.
what is your secret? Because I've often thought of this between confident and cocky, because there's some people who can get up there and it immediately turns you off because, yeah, they've done great things, but boy, do they come across being cocky. And I find that to be a turnoff. But I also think there's a real, real fine line between being confident and cocky. And I was just wondering, what is it with you that makes you come across as super confident, super cool, superman, all those things that you exude, um, and, and not that cocky uh, attribute? You know, I, I think my, you know, initially, excuse me, initially my thoughts kind of went all over the place because my, my brain just goes a million miles a second sometimes. And A, I think A, because of what I've been through, you know, with the two cancers, I'm always reminded of that. And I, I grew up in a small town. So I have friends who, who um, I don't want to say keep me humble. But because of what I've been, because of what I've gone through and where I grew up, I'm always going to remain humble and true to my core values, you know, a, a Midwest guy with, with ethics and, and morals. And I, I think there is, there is oh, that fine people, line. Do you think people um, grasp onto that and can sense that as soon as you start talking, whether you are for real or whether you're you know, a phony, do you think people know that right out of the gates? I, th I think so. And I think that if you're not, if you're not bragging about what you've done, I think that really helps. You know, if, if you understand that everybody has their own story and, and, you know, kind of looking at uh, the idea that we're, we're all a student and we're all a teacher at the same time, you can learn something from everybody because you know we, we have two ears and one mouth for a reason everyone has a story everyone has a unique perspective on life you know everybody's gone through and, and looked at their their lives from a different set of, of, of a different angle and I think if, if you respect the fact that one person say that person walks around the block you know that could be their Everest you know for me it was literally Mount Everest but for other people, they have their own struggles they have to go through. And, and to each person, that's real. Yeah. Did, think, did you ever read the book Into Thin Air? I, have you ever read I, that book? I, I did. Take it with a grain of salt. By John Krakauer? John Krakauer. It, take it with a grain of salt. He's a great and phenomenal writer, but sometimes factually incorrect. Really? Yeah. I, I just like the metaphor that he used in the, in the book about the higher they got on Everest, the more reckless they also became. So, um, which ended up causing the demise of, of the expedition. But, but it also kind of correlates to what we're talking about here, confident and cocky. They seem to get a little bit too big in their britches and it, and it unfortunately cost them their lives. So if what I'm reading is true, now you have me doubting whether it's all factual, but um, I, I really, it made me stop and, and think when we, were, when we were talking about this subject today, that book came to mind. No, for sure, for sure. And, and one of the reasons is because when you go high, your brain is starved for oxygen and you're, you're not really thinking clearly. So it's, it's almost like being severely intoxicated, but you have no idea. Um, but as, as far as, you know, people being 
overly confident. I think that's what the, the where, that's where cockiness comes in. And I've, I've seen it many, many, many times going up Kilimanjaro because I've, I've taken groups up there. This well, if, if we do go this year, it'll be my 18th trip up Kili. Wow. And I can't, yeah, and I, I can't tell you how many times people say, I'm going to conquer the mountain. You know, if, if it's between you and Mother Nature, Mother Nature is going to kick your ass every single time. You know, she's in charge and, and there's no way you're going to conquer her. She's going to win every single time. But if, if you show respect for the mountain, if you show respect for nature, then I think you have a better chance of making. Also, if you have a, a, an underlying true value meaning for why you're doing what you're doing. But if you go in there with a the cocky attitude of I'm going to conquer the mountain, then you think it's you against the mountain, nine out of 10 times, you're not going to make it. And I think if, if you show that respect, maybe, maybe that's the key word. The difference between cocky and confident is respect. Cool. Hey, I was uh, talking to Denise this morning, my wife, Denise, and telling her about our topic. And she said, it reminds me of one of her favorite quotes. And she said the quote to me and it really sunk in. So I'm going to, I'm going to read it to you. And, and see where you go with this, all right? So immediately she thought of this quote, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Absolutely. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. And it's uh, a quote by Eleanor Roosevelt that obviously stuck with her. She shared it with me just in an instant with our conversation, but I thought, thought it was pretty cool and wanted to share it with you today. Absolutely. And the first thing that comes to mind is what I say is about me. What you hear is about you. You know, when, when people get into an argument or somebody looks at you and says, ah, oh, that, that guy's, a, that guy's a, a jerk. It's because you're probably jealous of what he has or what she has or whatever. You know, and, and I think if, if one of the biggest takeaways, I think, is, is you can't control how other people are going to react. You never can. You only have control over you. And as soon as you give up, as soon as you relinquish uh, your emotions and the power that you have over yourself to someone else, you lose who you are. You lose your thoughts. You lose your emotions. You lose control of you. You know, so whenever, and I'm, everyone's guilty of this. You're in an argument. All of a sudden you, you, you say something, you see how you're making me feel or you're, you're, you're really pissing me off. I'm like, no, how you're reacting to the situation is, is, is pissing you off. You know, how you're reacting to what's going on. You need to always maintain that uh, emotional intelligence and understand that you are always in control and you always have a choice in how you want to react. Have you always believed in yourself? You asked me about, about me. Have you always been a pretty positive, believe you could do it type of person? For the most part, yeah. I mean, there, there, were, there were times when I would go to bed during the treatments that I honestly had no idea if I was going to wake up the next morning. True. And I, it, it was terrifying. And I, I always had a choice on looking at the situation. I think we talked about it last week where basically, you know, the situation is going to suck. But if you, if, if you have a, a good attitude about it, it's going to suck less. And now do you take the approach that if I can make it through that challenge, I can make it through just about anything that life throws at me? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I, uh, uh, I take calculated risks now. I, I don't want to, uh, to put my life in danger. And I think um, uh, so I was thinking about this just a few days ago and see if I can remember it exactly. I, I like living more than I'm afraid to die. 
<laughs> so I'm going to go out there and I'm going to push myself. You know, I want, maybe it's better if I say, I want to live more than I'm afraid to die. Yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. So somebody's sitting here listening right now to us to Babylon about believing in yourself. We often have takeaways towards the end of our conversations. Any, any takeaways to help that person who needs a little a little injection of self-confidence, what they could do? So absolutely. I, I do um, a lot of uh, personal, um, professional, and executive coaching, and I call this the million-dollar question. So basically, who you are now isn't the same person who you are in the future. You know, if you want something different in the future, you want a bigger house, you want more money, you want whatever it might be, you know, you have your goals on that. There's a, there's a reason you don't have that now. And that's because the person you are now isn't the same person you are in the future. You know, so the, the future you isn't your present you. And if, if you want to be that future you, knowing you, you have no control over anybody, knowing you have no control over other people, only how you react. So you only have control over that. If you want to be different in the future, obviously you have to do something differently now. So the million dollar question is, what's different about you in the future? That you, that, is, that, that you don't have now. And I'm not saying the money, I'm not saying the house, because a lot of people say, oh, when I get the house, I'm gonna be happy. No, you need to be happy first, because that's a choice. So you need to start living by that value. So there's a value in, in, in the future you that's different than you are now. Could it be that you're more confident, you're more committed, you're more adventurous? Figure out what, what the difference is between the future you and the present you, and it's not the stuff, it's who you are, what value that is. And start living that value now. It's not the cup of coffee, it's the coffee. There you go. It's not the cup that the coffee's in, it's the coffee itself. And I like that. I, I just heard that today, and I really liked it too. And all those things you just talked about there, Sean, inevitably will build your self-confidence and will inevitably make you believe in yourself more because if you're committed to something, if you're um, passionate about something, that's only going to boost all those self-esteem um, things that you need to, to believe in yourself more. Absolutely. And it, and it goes back down to, uh, I, I put together a, a core values assessment, which helps people tap into their personal core values. And I think, um, if, if you know what your guiding forces are, you could, you could find your true north. Love that analogy. <laughs> All right, Sean, uh, another great conversation. I believe in myself more, thanks to you. Um, I, I am grateful. No, 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 hold on, hold on. I didn't do anything. Uh, are you saying I did it? You did it. <laughs> so whoever's listening can do it too then. Exactly. So I didn't do anything. Whoever's listening, if they want to find you, where do they go, Sean? Oh, that's easy. SeanSwarner.com. Sean, like uh, Sean Connery, Warner with the Warner Bros. with an S on the front. And is your expedition going to happen this year? It's hard to say. The country of Tanzania is uh, shut down, and, and uh, this is going to sound weird, but the president of Tanzania thinks the virus is the devil, and he's encouraging people to go to churches and pray it away. I'm not even going to touch that one, Sean. Yeah. Great conversation with you. 
Um, until next time, I'm Tom Farrell. I'm Sean Swarner. And that's your dose of hope for today. <laughs>